Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today, joined via the magic of video and audio connection from Daytona International Speedway, we have the president of the Speedway, Chip Wild. Chip, you're the president of Daytona International Speedway, but you didn't start in your current role that your motorsports career actually stretches pretty far and wide. So tell us a little bit about how you got into motorsports. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and really didn't know anything about motorsports as a child. Uh, uh, I went to one race when I was 16 years old at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. It was when Atlanta was the last race of the year, uh, and I believe Jeff Gordon won the race or, or won the championship that year. Uh, and, you know, didn't really get much exposure. The only thing I really remember about that race is that it was really cold. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I, but I, I knew at an early age I really wanted to be uh, a part of, uh, of sports. I love sports. I love the idea of teams and, and, and winning together and fighting together. And, you know, that, that's something that, uh, that's just been a part of my life since I was a little boy. So um, I did a lot of internships from the time I was old enough to work. Uh, so I worked uh, for the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Uh, I did some work with the PGA. And before my senior year of college, that junior year summer, uh, I had an opportunity to come work for a, for a marketing company that strictly did NASCAR marketing. Uh, and that's where it really when I fell in love with the sport. Um, and I fell in love with the sensation of speed and, you know, all the things that we all, uh, who've made the sport a career, uh, really appreciate about, uh, NASCAR. But, the thing I really, really loved about um, about our sport and about motorsports in general is the community. You know, seeing how people rally around one another and the, the closeness of of the, of the group. Um, and and I just knew right away that this was something I wanted to do. So uh, before I went back for my senior year of college, uh, Roger Bear, who owned the company that I interned for, offered me a job, and uh, it's the only thing I've ever done. Uh, so right out of college, I moved to Winston Salem, North Carolina, and started working for him at Keystone Marketing and. Man, I started my career uh, out in the Midway working uh, the Pfizer display. So I managed the Pfizer display uh, for Keystone Marketing. We had a hauler uh, that was a, that was attached to a, a unit that uh, people would go get checks for cholesterol and blood pressure. And, and then we had a, an old uh, hauler that we decaled up like Mark Martin Pfizer car. People could walk through it, and it was a self-guided tour. That was, that was how I started my career. Um, and uh, and then had the great opportunity to uh, to work for Bill Davis Racing for seven great years and and gosh man you know you, you, what a way to spend your twenties you know you get to travel the country and and be a part of an incredible sport and 
And uh, so I did that. Uh, and then Bill gave me some incredible opportunities to, to grow as a young man. Uh, you know, I started doing PR and then uh, got the opportunity to do sponsor management and, and even into a little bit of team management uh, for him. So uh, Bill and uh, Gail sold the company in 2007. Uh, and I just, man, I got, I, I, I hit the home run. I, I had the opportunity to go work for the captain, Roger Penske. Uh, and so uh, I, I went over to Penske and, man, what, what an experience. Uh, you learn so much just working for that organization and the things that they do and how they, how they do things in the process. Uh, is is remarkable. Uh, so I, you know, I worked for Penske and David Stremme, uh was our driver back in the day, and, and Justin Allgaier uh, in the twelve car. So I did that, uh, and then realized that uh, my wife and I, we were, we we wanted to get pregnant and and travel in thirty eight weekends a year, just wasn't going to do it. So uh, fortunately, we got pregnant pretty quickly with twin boys, and uh, I I uh, I was actually going to get out of the sport, um, you know, because being a dad for me is the most important job I have. Uh, on this earth and, you know, traveling and, and being a part of, of, of the sport's important, but not being able to be a part of their life is something I wasn't interested in. So uh, I uh, was getting out and David Hyatt, who ran MRN at the time, gave me the opportunity to come to uh, ISC. And then uh, kind of, you know, for the last seven years of my life, I've been in ISC and had some incredible opportunities to work with some of the most amazing people uh, in, in my life. I mean, they just to think about the people that um, I've had influence uh, on my career and, and in my life personally uh, is, is something I'm so lucky to have and something I cherish. And uh, obviously you went from ISC and MRN to Darlington, then to, to Daytona. I want to get into to all of that shit. But going back to the, the origins, it sounds a lot like how I got into motorsports. I didn't, the first race I ever covered is the first race I ever attended. And I tell people that all the time. But there were things about NASCAR and about auto racing that, that fascinated me and, and drew me in. What was it about racing and motorsports when you got invested in it with Keystone Marketing, you know, on, the, on those race midways 20 years ago? Well, I, I think it's, you know, the, the community, like you said a minute ago, I, I, and you've seen it being in the garage area and being in the media center and, and just being around the sport, you know, it's like a big family. Uh, and, and, and it, you know, we all travel together every week and you, you spend time with people and you invest in people and, and you get to know them outside of, you know, just what they do at the racetrack. And, you know, I, the people that I've met along the way have become some of my closest friends and people that I'll, you know, connect with and stay connected with for the rest of my life. And I think that's what motorsports is about. You know, you think about Saturday night short track racing to, you know, big time auto racing like, like NASCAR, but it's all based around family and community. And, and, and that's what I, I just love that. I, I love that. There's so much, um, there's so much energy and commitment around, uh, around that family atmosphere. Um, and you can see it on a Saturday night at, at Volusia Speedway, um, or you can see it, you know, during the Daytona 500 on Sunday. And, you know, I think it starts at the top. You think about Bill France Sr. and Bill France Jr. and, and Lisa France Kennedy and Brian and Jim France, you know, that's a family. And, and that culture that they, you know, lived and breathed from the beginning is, has, has trickled down through the rest of the organization, and I, I, I just I, there's something special about it that you, you it's hard to describe. But but you being in the sport as long as I, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. There's just all of the different constituencies. I think is maybe the best way to explain it. Like whether it's on the team side or the track side or the sponsor side or the fan side or the media side, sort of how they they all sort of fit together. And as a track president, you're kind of at the nexus 
of a lot of that making it all all work right well, I mean, yeah, I think we all are committed in, 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 to making it work. Uh, you know, I, I, I use the example of when something good or something bad happens to, to something, somebody in the industry, uh, it's amazing to see how the sport rallies around that person uh, or that family. Like uh, when Chris Osborne uh, had that accident a couple years ago in December, um, Chris Osborne spotted for us when I was at Bill Davis. He was the spotter for the 22 car. And I had talked to Chris in probably six months. But I heard what happened, and I immediately called and said, hey, what can we do? We sent dinner, um, called, you know, to, just to make sure that him and his family were, were okay. And, you know, I, I, he said he got more calls from people he hadn't talked to in six or eight months because, you know, you don't have to talk to somebody every day, but you have that common bond, which is our sport. And and you take care of each other because of that common bond. And I, I, there's just something about it that uh, that is, is hard to explain, but, but easy to love. Well said. So, Chip, you mentioned that your first race was Atlanta, but I believe there was another race that you were supposed to go to at Daytona, high school graduation. <laughs> you apparently had tickets 20 years ago to the upcoming uh, July Daytona race, but unfortunately, nature intervened, right? Yeah, so um, my uh, my first real race where I was going to come actually get to be a part of it and enjoy it, uh, my uncle's company sponsored uh, the 75 car of Rick Mass, the, the Remington car. And uh, for graduation, he gave me and my best friend uh, pit passes to come down to the race and bought tickets. It was the first time that uh, they'd run Daytona uh, under the lights, and it was a big deal, and um, he gave it to me. I, I remember when he actually gave me the present he wrapped up a remington car uh for my graduation and and he and he wrote a note that said you know you're going to get to see this live for the first night night race at daytona and you know that was my that was my high school graduation present and i was working at a summer camp uh, in atlanta and you know we made plans we were going to stay on the beach it was kind of me and my best friend's first opportunity to to get away from our parents and and you know be be adults so to speak uh and and come down and and enjoy the race and and do things that 18 year olds do uh and uh I, I was working my summer race or my summer job and i got a call from my uncle like the thursday before our race and he said man i got bad news they they, they postponed the race because of the fires <laughs> and i was heartbroken I man i still remember how i feel because we were so looking forward to to coming down here and you know getting to experience daytona international speedway and you know uh it, it just it was it was such a letdown so uh unfortunately we didn't get to come back in october when they ran the race just because of we were in school but uh, i do remember that and i remember how i felt it's just one of the the biggest disappointments of my life july 1998 was when that first night race at Daytona was supposed to take place, as you mentioned, being a University of Georgia freshman, I can understand why you wouldn't be able to come back. Three months later, you probably had some other things going on that you're getting your arms around. But here you are 20 years later now, Chip, president of, of Daytona National Speedway for this running NBC Sports Group coverage, the big NASCAR weekend coming at Daytona this weekend. What's it like? I mean, how surreal is that to know that, you know, here's a race that you were supposed to go to as a fan for the first time under the lights 20 years ago. And now really a lot of it is on your shoulders to make sure it's a, a success in 2018. Yeah, man, it's amazing. Uh, and 
and and I say this all the time, and I I mean this wholeheartedly. You know, I, I've done nothing in my career. I've just been very fortunate that people have invested um, time in me. You know, from Roger Bear, who um, you know had, has been and had so much influence in the sport, helping bring Winston to the sport, and you know, really at the time running the largest marketing company in NASCAR to give you know a kid who knew nothing about uh, the sport a chance, and then Bill Davis. They didn't need to invest in me, uh, but they did. I mean, we spent a ton of time with them and, and outside of work, and, he, you know, he taught me a lot. Uh, he made sure to, to let me know when I messed up uh, and, <laughs> and why I did and, and gave me a ton of an opportunity that, you know, that a 23, 4, 5-year-old wouldn't get otherwise. And, and then you, you think about Roger Penske and Steve Turner and, and, and now Lisa France Kennedy. I mean, you, you think about the people or I think about the people that – have given me an opportunity um, to, to do things that, gosh, I never thought I'd be able to do. It was, and it's so humbling, but, you know, I try to give back. I feel like, you know, we have a lot of young teammates on my team here at Daytona. I mean, a lot of really young, talented professionals. And um, I, I say all the time, we have to invest in these people and not just invest in them or what we pay them, but, you know, how do we, how do we give back? How do we do something to make them, even if they leave Daytona, feel like that we had an impact on their life because mm-hmm. uh, I can tell you that there's been so many people in my life that, that if I left the sport tomorrow it would have a lasting, you know, a lasting mark on me. How do you do that, Chip, as a leader, knowing, and I think that's insightful to know that you certainly want to have your employees incentivized and want them to have goals that they're striving for, but not everybody can live the dream of becoming president of Daytona. How do you do that? How do you keep everybody pulling the rope in the same direction and feeling as if they're getting rewarded for all the blood, sweat, and tears they pour into that place? I just think you recognize them for their wins. You know, we celebrate wins around here uh, a lot, and I spend a lot of time walking the office and, and talking to people, getting to know them. I, Outside of what they do for us uh, on our team here at Daytona, you know what 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 do they want to be? What where do they want to be in five and ten years? And and what can we do to help get them there? Um, but then you look at guys like Andrew Booth, who I know you know, he, he is living his dream here. He he's been a part of this community his whole life. He went to Stetson, so you have kind of both ends of the of the spectrum. You have you know younger guys that are just trying to figure it out, and then you have folks that I learn from every day, like Andrew Booth, and and you know so we really focus a lot of time and energy on our people and you know culture to me is the most important thing we have um and i say it to our team every time we get together you know without them all this place is is asphalt and steel it, the people have made daytona special they've made it different um you know it's it's a racetrack and it's a really special racetrack and the reason it's really special is because of the people that have been a part of this team over the last 60 years. You mentioned Andrew. Obviously, he's the communications head there at the track, does a great job, makes my life and the life of a lot of other media easier as well. You know, that, that goes back... my life harder, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that goes back, Chip, to what we were talking about earlier, that you've got this background of where you've worked with sponsors, you've worked with teams, you worked in the media, you know, somewhat tangentially as in your business role at Motor Racing Network. Now you're working at the track. What did you learn about how all of those things are in, interconnected? You know, a guy like Andrew working at your track there to, to make sure all the media is taken care of. He's working obviously with sponsors and with teams and everybody's sort of got their own vested interests. What did you learn about and your experience that helped prepare you for, you know, the jobs you've had at, at Darlington and Daytona leading racetracks. I'm sure it's good to have that background and experience in working in all sectors of the industry. Yeah, I think my path is certainly different than most that have that are in my role at any of our racetracks. 
um, where I, I, I spent my, you know, the first half of my career uh, traveling the circuit with you and, and Bob Pachris and, and others and understand, you know, why you are, you're critical to our success, uh, why the drivers are critical to our success, why the tracks are critical to our success, why the sponsors are critical. I mean, everybody has um, a, a, such an important role to make this NASCAR machine go and work. Uh, and I think, you know, most people in my role um, have come up through our company and have seen, you know, how to make, how to sell tickets, how to put on a race. Uh, but I'll tell you, before I went to, to Darlington, you know, I we just expected when you showed up at the racetrack, things were done, and you almost took it, like advantage of that. You know, you, you took it for granted that, you know, the, the media center was set up and the track was painted and, you know, all the gates are ready to go. And you don't really think about well, what it takes to get that, make that happen. Um, and then when you get here and you see the hard work that goes into putting one of these events on, you just take a new appreciation for the people and the hard work. But, you know, we recognize on the track side that without you, without the teams, without the drivers, without the sponsors, you know, none of this works. And I think that's what makes NASCAR so special is that it takes the broadcast partners. It takes the media center. It takes the teams. It takes, you know, every single person committed to our sport to make it to make it special and make it run. And, you know, I think I have a different perspective than, than most. Um, and I think sometimes it helps me, sometimes it hurts me. You know, because I, I, I'm almost too compassionate for the for the folks. You know, like I'll I'll give you an example. You um a couple weeks ago we were in Michigan and and uh, I went to the race because I think it's really important for me uh to stay connected with the industry and so I, I go to the racetrack probably more than most track presidents and and I try to do it on a budget so that I don't, you know, spend a lot of money, but you know, just spending time in the garage area, spending time in the media center, spending time um, with team owners and things. I just think it's really important. And so I was there, and, um, you know, it was a great race. Rick Brenner and his team did a great job. But I, I came back and I was like, I mean, I, I feel bad for those guys. And not for anything they did wrong, but I've been on the race team side where the weekend before and off weekend, you're just looking to get the race over so that you can take a break because you've been going for six or eight or ten weeks without really any sort of pause. I mean, I remember being on the racing side and counting down the laps right. until the <laughs> off weekend started because you needed that minute to just reset and get laundry done and cut your grass and do all the projects that have been building up for the last ten weeks that your wife has put on a list that you've done nothing to fix or, or knock off. So those are the things that I think... You, you have a different perspective once you've lived it uh, from that life. There's nothing to do. You know, it's just part of our sport. But, you know, just having that knowledge certainly makes you a little more empathetic to uh, to what people are going through. Sure. You're going to be more attuned to the fact that, you know, as you said, Chip, I mean, people are on different agendas. Obviously, racetracks, all of the preparation, all of the work they're doing is focused around one or two race weekends a year. Whereas you said, I mean, teams are in that grind of 36 race weekends a season and getting everybody on the same page. I'm sure when you, when you have like that level of focus being in some different places, I mean, everybody's committed, but I would think that when everybody's kind of committed in their own different ways, it's getting people all aligned that it might be the tough part for somebody like yourself. It is Nate, but you know, I would say that the tracks are working so hard to make their race weekend uh, special uh, and, and really try to connect the fans with the drivers and, you know, the thing, the, the, the executions that, that we do at the track, I mean, it's a, it's amazing. And, uh, and I, I think we're best in class. You, you, you look at other sports, um, you just go to the game. 
right? When you come to a NASCAR race, you come to an event. And from the time you step on the property to the time you go, you, you leave the property, there's something going on that you can be a part of. And, you know, that's, that's, that's hard to do. I'll tell you, you know, from our perspective, you know, trying to program that much content for, you know, in, in some cases, 10 days is a challenge. But, you know, we have such creative people and they're doing really, really magical things. So, you know, that's what gets me excited. That's what gets me fired up to show up to work every day. And, and it's happening at every one of our racetracks. It's not just happening here at Daytona. It's happening at Michigan. It's happening at Martinsville. It's happening at Darlington. It's happening at Auto Club. And, and those are the things. Things that you know we we sit around and talk about and you know what worked in Auto Club. How can we integrate that that strategy at Watkins Glen and and you know hey what didn't work so we don't make that same mistake in one of our tracks. I mean we're we're so aligned right now. You mentioned that the culture is one of the biggest parts of Daytona International Speedway and the staff there, Chip. How would you describe the culture at the Daytona track? Yeah, it's funny. I, I somebody said it the other day. It, it's a family. And, mm-hmm. you know, we spend a lot of time together here, more than most, just because, you know, from January through July, we have stuff happening, big events happening at the track from the Rolex 24 to Speed Weeks to Bike Week to the Country 500 to the Coke Sugar 400. There's just always something happening. Um, and so you spend a lot of time together. And, and so, you know, in order, in order to do that, you got to recognize each other's talents. You got to respect one another. And, and you also got to know, hey, that I need to back away for a minute and let and, and, and we just all need a minute. Um, and that's a family, man. That's what, what you know. You think about your wife and your kids, and that that's how you treat them. You treat them with respect. You know, and you know when to push. You know when not to push. Um, and and we're all really proud of of celebrating together. Um, I do this after every race. Uh, we we all meet at the start finish line after everything's done, uh, and we all get a beer. <laughs> uh, if you want one, and uh, and and toast to, and, and and toast the event, uh-huh. you know, and toast the team, um, because it, it it's so important to recognize how hard everybody's working and and the sacrifices they've made. You know, to work in this sport, as you know, you make a lot of sacrifices. You made a lot of sacrifices, uh, you know, on personal time, you know, to your family, to to other things that you maybe you want to do, but know that. Working in a sport like this is a huge time commitment, and you want to make sure that you recognize that and celebrate the things that that people do because you know you want them to feel valued and you want them to know how important you are they are to you. How many people do you have on staff there at Daytona Chip? <laughs> so full time, we have about 150, uh, 150 wow. teammates. Wow. Okay. Which I, yeah, I would to put, think, it, put it put it into perspective that uh, I had twelve full time at Darlington. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. My next question was: You ran Darlington Raceway twenty thirteen to twenty sixteen. Did a great job overseeing the comeback of the Southern five hundred there. I figured it was a much smaller staff, and I've heard stories. Did you actually mow the grass when you were the president there at Darlington? Yeah, man, I I did a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, you know, and, and I, I always say I'll never ask anybody to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Uh, it's something my dad taught me as a young kid. Like, you know, you, you earn respect, um, and so if you're if you're asking somebody to get on a lawnmower or to edge something, you better be damn well wanting to do it yourself. Um, and so I would, man, I'd get on a lawnmower. I'd actually, they let me use a tractor about once a month. Once a month, I'd go out and work with the ops team at Darlington. And, uh, they generally would just put me in a big field with a, with a pull behind tractor and I would cut the grass. And then at race time, you know, it's all hands on deck, just like it is here in Daytona. And we needed to get things done. And I'd get on a, a lawnmower and cut the grass. 
grass and paint the fence. And I remember I uh, one job that Dennis Adcock, the VP of Ops there, gave me was he wanted me to paint all the handrails on in Colvin, which is on the backstretch. That project uh, I finished, but he had to go back and scrape all the paint off the stairs because I didn't do it very well. Uh, and I... I <laughs> He, did, he never let me paint again after that. <laughs> well, they let you do some other things while you were there, and I, I think certainly your, your signature moment was the 2015 Southern 500, the return of the Darlington weekend throwback experience that has gone so well now and continues into its fourth season and you know, a big part of the NBC Sports group coverage of NASCAR as well, Chip. Tell me about I, I know I know there's been a lot of talk and discussion about what a success that was, but tell me about how it happened from your perspective. What was the process that we're talking about? about getting all the teams and the industry and the sponsors and the network and the track on board. How did that occur from your perspective? It really took two years. And I remember when I got the opportunity to go to Darlington, I sat in Daryl Wolf's office, who's, who's our chief marketing officer, and he said, Darlington special. And I, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, one of my favorite memories from the sport is when I worked at MRN. I brought my twin boys, um, who at the time were three years old, uh, to Darlington with my wife, and we stayed in the motorhome. Um, and uh, I remember on Friday night or Thursday night walking through the Turn Four tunnel, which is just this old tunnel, and like the, just watching somebody or you know watching a child see a racetrack for the first time and seeing the the magnitude of it. It's something that we've all kind of grown numb to just because we see it every weekend. Um, it's something I'll never forget. I mean, they were amazed with all the big trucks and the cars and, you know, all the, the activations. Um, and so, you know, and Darlington's always just been a special place to me. I've always loved going there when I worked on the racing side. But we needed to figure out how to bring it bring it back to its prominence and daryl said hey there's there's just something there that we need to that we need to capture and you know that i believe that it was it was you know celebrating our sport and we talk about darlington raceway all the time and being the oldest super speedway and and and, and being the you know the 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 wrigley field of of nascar and how do we capture that and then you think about all the other uh, professional sports and the things that they've been able to accomplish with you know, celebrating all their heroes at one event or one weekend. Um, we, we took that model and we kind of built out a strategic platform that really gave every uh, stakeholder an opportunity to, to celebrate in their own way. So NBC celebrated their own way, uh, and, and, it, and that was one of the easiest conversations we had. And that was Sam Flood and Jeff Banky and kind of showed them our deck of, hey, here's what we want to try to accomplish. And I remember Sam saying, we're in. Like we'll we'll figure it out, mm-hmm. and and that was that was in March or April of uh, you know we 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 hadn't even announced that we were going back to Labor Day. They just they were in, um, and then you know we we literally met with every single stakeholder. So we went to Charlotte and met with every single team individually, and explained the platform and what we were trying to accomplish and why it was important for the sport. You know we 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 went to NASCAR, did the same thing. We went to the Hall of Fame. We did the same thing. I mean, we, we burned up the roads uh, between between Darlington, South Carolina, and Charlotte, North Carolina, just trying to tell the story and why it was a good idea and how it could really make an impact. And to be honest with you, Nate, when we <laughs> with the first year, our goal was to have you know ten to twelve cars do the throwback schemes, uh, and we kind of got into the summer months and 
<laughs> and uh, our, our senior director of consumer marketing, Tony Sizemore, who came uh, to us from Anheuser-Busch, looked at me and goes, I think we got more than 12. We started counting. I think we had like 25 or 30. And we knew the other ones that were going to be a part of it. We're like, How? oh, my gosh. And, you know, the reason that it was successful in year one was because we, we didn't dictate what everybody had to do. We just had a big idea and we were going to do this and okay how can you how can you plug into this idea and everybody just they they just were thrilled that they could celebrate something if it was their own history if it was a NASCAR history um if it was something special that meant something to them it, it was just a, a really neat way for us to celebrate the history of the sport because our sport is so rich in history. I mean, you know that. You've written about it. Um, there's so many great stories to be told about our past that are relevant to our future. Um, and so for us to be able to do that in a way that everybody could do it uh, and celebrate it was awesome. And did it catch you off guard? I mean, I think you're right, Chip. I think one of the greatest successes about it was that this word gets overused a lot, but it, it truly was an organic thing that took on its own momentum. Did it catch you off guard that there was such celebration? Or maybe looking back, it was the right move to make to bring Darlington back to Labor Day because everybody wanted to celebrate the Southern 500 and its history again. Well, I think all of that. I mean, I, I think our plan was for it to be organic. Um, because I think if you if you put people in a box, then they, they couldn't figure out how to connect with it. You know, you need to make it something that was very broad, but we had a really good plan on how even though it was very broad, that you could you could plug into it. Uh, but then, you know, moving it back to, to Labor Day weekend was just the right move. I mean, you know, I, I unfortunately had, uh, as a track president there, had to deliver the news that we were moving from Mother's Day back to April. And, you know, having to deliver that news to the community was a, a tough announcement for us because the people were so passionate about Darlington and the greater Darlington area. You know, everybody in Darlington County has a connection with the Darlington Raceway, whether it be their their grandparents helped build the track or as a kid, they'd go pick up Coke bottles after the races or they'd have, you know, they'd be eating dinner at the Raceway Grill and Dale Earnhardt would walk in. Uh, I mean, everybody has a story they want to tell you about how they're connected. And, you know, that that's why taking it back to Labor Day weekend was so critical because you think about uh, what we've been able to accomplish based on that move. It, 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 it just made sense. And so being able, conversely, being able to announce we're moving back to, to Labor Day weekend was one of the greatest days of my professional career because <laughs> everybody was excited about it. Um, you guys were excited about it. Uh, you know, the community was excited about it. The industry was excited about it. Um, but I'll tell you, it really didn't hit me what, what the team had done at Darlington with that throwback week until about two weeks later, and Harvick texted me, and I don't know where they were. They might be in Chicago for the start of the, of the playoff, and he's like, hey, man, you know you've done something special when uh, two weeks after your race, people are still talking about how awesome it was and how they want to go back. <laughs> um, and you know, that's when you're like, all right, man, well, you know, the team's done something really neat here, something that we could grow. And I, I think you're still seeing the benefit of that. And Kerry Tarp is doing a fantastic job with the team at, they, at Darlington, continuing to build out that program. Yeah, no question. It's it's really uh, taken on a life of its own, and, and that's great. And since then, of course, you know, you've moved on to your current role, got two Daytona 500s now under your belt. What's getting ra ready for a race at Daytona like, Chip? What kind of an undertaking is that? Can you explain it or describe it in layman's terms? Well, I can tell you, you don't sleep a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. The last the last couple of days, I've uh, I've woke up about two thirty in the morning just thinking about the things that we need to do, um, the things I need to do. You know, you you don't sleep and you just wor you don't worry because you know it's going to get done, but you just want to get things accomplished. Um, you know, being a part of of 
of this racetrack has been the honor of my life. I mean, to think that the people that have had such influence on our, our sport and our and family and, and the things that have happened at Daytona, to be a part of that is just it's, it's such an honor and it's so special and something that I, I will always hold near and dear to my heart. But, you know, getting ready for a race here is it takes every person, you know, committed and, and pulling the rope in the same direction. And, you know, our ops team led by Andrew Gertis, who was the president of Darlington, it's just so good. And, you know, to watch them as they prepare for races, it's so systematic. It's, you know, on this day we're doing this, on this day we're doing this. Um, this week we painted the racetrack, so all the lines were painted. The grass was getting cut. The place looks amazing. Um, you're getting the garages ready for, for NASCAR to show up next week. So that, that side of it you don't worry about because you know Andrew's got it. Um, and then, you know, on the, on the business side, you just, you want to make sure that we got the right promotions, that, you know, the ticket team's getting the support they need in helping sell tickets, that Andrew Booth and his team are getting the support that they need and making sure that, uh, we're getting the right earned and uh, earned media before the event and all the things that have to happen to execute the event, like we talked about earlier with all the, you know, the, the things that happen the, the, around the guest experience from, you know, the Clint Boyer package. So I, I called Clint after Talladega this year and said, Hey, I want to do a, a package where you come drink beer with the fans on Friday night. And uh, he's like, I'm in. We, we couldn't figure out how to make it. Like, he couldn't figure out how to make that work. Um, but so Saturday, uh, next Saturday, we're calling it uh, Beer Barbecue beer barbecue with Boyer. So uh, you can buy a, a ticket uh, to this event, which obviously includes a, a ticket to the Cook Series Sugar 400. And Boyer's going to come hang out with you. He's not going to drink beer because he's got a race. But, you know, it's Kansas City Barbecue. It's beer and it's Boyer. And I, and, you know, those are the kind of, how do you, how do you do something different where you really get to see the side of these drivers and these teams and these personalities in our sport that you and I see and know, uh, but the fans don't get to see all the time. And, sure. you know, creating those moments that, that will last a long time and, and, and keep people wanting to come back for something different and something unique. And so, I mean, it, there's, there's a lot that happens to prepare, but people ask, hey, are you, are you all ready? You know, that's a question you get all the time. Are you ready? <laughs> like at Daytona, we stay ready. Yeah. Because there's just so many events that happen here. Exactly. Uh, I mean, the facility stays ready. The people stay ready after this race, after the Cook Theater Sugar 400 weekend. We all do take a deep breath and just kind of all disappear for a minute. You know, we all plan vacations because the first seven months of the year are just so busy with so many events happening um, that we do take a little bit of time before we start planning for the Daytona 500. Let me write in my next question, Chip, because your track is unlike any other, I think, in that you guys really do get a break. And I'm always amazed during Speed Weeks that, you know, your staff's always great to work with. They always have smiles on their faces, always pleasant. And I think about, okay, they started the year with the Rolex, and then it goes to Speed Weeks, and then it's Bike Weeks, and then, like, you're almost right into Daytona again with NASCAR returning in July. I guess you get a break at the end of the year, but there must be just a seven-month period where it's pretty much wall-to-wall. Yeah, I mean, we're actually already on sale for the Daytona 500 for the 2019 61st running of the Daytona 500. So, you know, a lot of things happen at one time. You know, you got to get all your creative done uh, for the for the renewal for the 2019 Daytona 500. That's actually happening while you're also planning for the 2018 Cooks or Sugar 400 and all of the collateral and things that happen there. Um, so, I mean, our marketing department in the first half of the year is, is thinking about strategically what we're doing in 2019 while executing events in 2018. Um, it's amazing to see the amount of things that come out of, of this team uh, in a short period of time that are, that are really two different kind of 
strategic directions. One is really focused on 2019 and the Daytona 500 and the Rolex 24 and the things that happened, but then also at the same time down a parallel path, uh, making sure that, that people that come to the Coke Zero Sugar 400 or, or the Coca-Cola Firecracker 250 next week, they're, they're, they have a great experience as well. Um, so we do take a little bit of time off, but I'll tell you the first seven months of the year for us are brutal. And really it starts on January 1st because we have, uh, the, the, the roar, which is the test before the Rolex 24, the first weekend in January. Then we have two weeks off. Then we have the Rolex 24. Then we have the marathon. Then we have so you guys show up for Speed Weeks. As soon as you guys are, you know, we crown the champion uh, for the Daytona 500. And as we're in victory lane, uh, our off team is pulling sprinklers off the front stretch grass because well, Monday we <laughs> we we um, we mow the grass down so that we can start bringing in dirt Gotta for dirt. Uh, Supercross. Yeah, sure, sure. That's crazy. But I know it's also not all work and no play for you. I understand you're a bit of an avid hoops player, and during Speed Weeks, when <laughs> when the drivers arrive, you. You do a little basketball playing uh, with the guys? Nate, I, I'd be careful about calling me avid. Um, <laughs> so we, we do have a group that actually plays weekly here. It's a, it's a group of uh, middle-aged guys like myself that feel like they still can get it done. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, when when, uh, when the guys come to town for the races, they always want to play, um, which is pretty fun. So, like, Denny... Hamlin and, and, and Ricky and uh, Austin Collins. Actually, Austin committed to playing uh, when in the spring. And, and the thing that, that I don't think Andrew or whoever told you is we play at 6 a.m. <laughs> so, you, I mean, yeah, because so, we got to come to work, right? Yeah. So you got to play from 6 to 7, go home, change, and get back get to work. So Denny and, uh, and Ricky and, and uh, Fernelli and that group, they were in. Austin committed, and we were one short because he didn't show up. We all had to give him a bunch of grief about that. But, yeah, it's a really fun way for us to interact with those guys and so competitive. I mean, you know how Denny is. He doesn't like losing at anything. Uh, so, And we got a pretty good group down here that, that likes to play. Uh, but I can tell you that we practice a couple times before those guys come to town because uh, we don't want to lose. Yeah, no, I understand. Any injuries that result from playing with the middle-aged guys who uh, probably have legs and knees and ankles they have to worry about? Uh, there have been a couple that have had to sit out on the injury reserve, uh, yeah, for, for a couple of weeks. But, uh, no, I mean, luckily, knock on wood, we haven't had any real, real injuries. There's one, I will tell you this, we were, it was a proud moment. We do get a couple of folks that, uh, friends of friends that come over from Embry-Riddle, the students over there, and one kid, uh, he, he thought he was going to show up and embarrass us, uh, and he walked out of the, the gym with a torn ACL. Wow. Uh, and and uh, competitive. I mean, we're, we're competitive, man. We're a competitive group. That's uh, it, it, we we don't like to lose. So, but it, it is it's a great way for us all to connect. Uh, when even when NASCAR folks sit down with with each other and 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 still kind of feel like we're getting it done. It's funny, like when you're on the court, you feel like you're running full speed. But then when you sit out and watch the run people run up and down the court, the court, you're like, man, we're a lot slower than we used to be. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I bet. Well, no, that is a great way, Chip, I think, to, to get in touch with the guys who are going to be uh, putting on the show there this weekend at Daytona, all the NASCAR drivers. What else can you tell us about um, what's happening uh, as NASCAR returns to Daytona this weekend? I know it's going to be a busy time for you. I know you're not getting much sleep. What kind of things are you guys working on? Well, we're certainly excited. First and foremost, that Dale Jr. is going to be in the booth. 
here. You know, he's here for the Daytona 500 as our Grand Marshal for the 60th running of the Daytona 500. But really excited that he's going to uh, to be back here uh, in a different capacity. I think he's going to do a great job. Uh, so really excited about that uh, with Dale. And then, you know, our, our summer race is all about celebrating our country's independence. And we'll have a Medal of Honor recipients here. That's something we've been doing now for 10 years, um, which is really a, a special thing for all of us at the racetrack. You know, we use the word hero a lot. We can talk about race car drivers or crew chiefs or whatever. Uh, I mean, these guys are true American heroes, uh, putting their life and limb on the line for us and being able to, to for, you know, allow us to, to be able to do this job and to to be able to live in this great country. So we'll we'll have uh, them here all weekend. Um, we'll do the la- largest fireworks display in the southeast at the conclusion of the Coke Zero Sugar 400 stand and salute uh, event, which will happen right before the start of the Coke Zero Sugar 400, something that NASCAR and us partner on that I think is a really special event, really moving moment. And then we also got a couple other special things in store this week that people need to tune in for. Uh, they're going to be really special. Cool. Excellent. You know, you mentioned everybody is vacationing on your staff or looking for that time off. Any big plans for you? And I assume there's a family vacation plan for Chip Weil and company after Daytona. Yeah. So actually, my wife and I uh, are going to Italy. Uh, our best friends that live in North Carolina. In fact, he, he works for uh, Toyota Racing Development. They bought it at an auction like two years ago. So we're going to Italy for a week with them. Uh, and then, yeah, we're going to take the kids. You know, the thing about living in Daytona Beach, man, is you're on vacation all the time. You, <laughs> you got the you got the ocean. You got the ocean uh, four, four miles from the racetrack. So uh, we'll, we'll certainly spend some time uh, on the water and, and just, you know, that that is a thing. You kind of got to reconnect. That's something I've had to learn in this role uh, is, you know, you can burn out quickly if you don't if you don't take the time to to reconnect and 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 take some time to yourself. So we'll have a good time. Uh, it feels like the summer will be gone before we know it. I guess the kids start school in like uh, six weeks. So we got to plan something fun for for us all to do. They have a bucket list of things that they want to do this summer. The twins made a list uh, of things they want to do. We marked a couple off. So. One was go tubing, uh, so we Santa brought them a tube for, to pull behind the boat. Uh, we did that on Father's Day, uh, and that was a big hit. And then they also wanted to go to a water park, and there's a Daytona Lagoon here in town. Um, I reluctantly went on a Wednesday night, so we'll get down marked up. We're, we're, we're slowly but surely, Nate, knocking these things off the list. Right. Well, you'll certainly have a lot more time to do that uh, after this weekend. Thanks um, for making time for me here on the NASCAR NBC podcast. Uh, been a pleasure to talk with you and I uh, really enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. And if folks haven't got their tickets yet, DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com. Get them for this weekend. It's going to be a great show. All right. You should certainly do that if you're in the area. And as always, if you're a listener to the NASCAR NBC podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. We're also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you download podcasts, you can hear this one. And please send me feedback on Twitter, at Nate Ryan. If you have ideas or guest suggestions, that's the place to reach me. Thanks for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.